Should we do this? I think we should do this. All right. Hi, everyone. My name is Daniel Plout, and you're listening to Unpacking Development, where we translate terms from the development industry based on our experience, try to make it more accessible, and along the way, try to get to some deeper topics and conversations about this field. So um, welcome. Again, I'm Daniel and my co-host, Courtney. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Courtney Tolmy. Really excited to be finally doing this, Daniel. I feel I like we've been talking about this for a while. We have been talking about it for a while. Uh, it's a bit of a, of a weird thing. We've we worked, obviously, we've worked together for a long time. But um, I feel like this idea came about by accident a little bit to do this, right? Yeah, no, I was trying to think as we were kind of getting ready for this, this first podcast. And, you know, we for many years working together, we've we've had lots of, I think, really interesting conversations about mm-hmm. the development space and what all that means and ranting about different terms and jargon. Yeah, we have a common common hatred for jargon. Yes. Which we're we're hoping to hold ourselves accountable for on yes. this podcast. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, I think this really all started kind of cementing together. Um guess it was a few months ago, I wrote a blog post about rethinking one particular term, empowerment, and you know, really kind of questioning, is this something that we should be using or that I should be using? I, I, we're not here to be kind of policing anyone else. But, you know, I tweeted about this blog post, you responded, and it created, I think, this interesting discussion of maybe mm-hmm. we need more of these conversations and maybe Maybe other people are interested in this too. I hope so. I know I know that we need more of these conversations for sure. That's something I am definitely in the market for. I, I wonder if others will listen. I hope so. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think it'd be interesting to just, you know, uh, take this time to really, you know, there's a lot to discuss in the development industry. We're always having conversations about it. And I think for us, a big part of this is bringing it to others who might not know as much about it, making it more accessible, you know, thinking about some of the deeper questions that we're all struggling with as we do this work, externalizing that a little bit to the world and and seeing, you know, if, if folks are interested. And also, you know, I think for us, just bringing in voices of people that we know and respect and, and others who are sort of doing this work and having them pitch in as well. So I think excited to have those conversations too. It's also, yeah. you know, we have to acknowledge we're sort of a year into a pandemic. Uh, we've been all sort of doing this work uh, that usually has a lot of really great human interaction in sort mm-hmm. of in front of our screens. And so I'm just even excited to see you and talk to you about this and, and sort of doing that is, is sort of scratching an itch for me. So yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that this is, I mean, as we've probably seen from the expansion of podcasts everywhere, this is probably the perfect time to to start having these types of conversations and and doing it in a way that other people hopefully can join in. Um, and Daniel, I mean, I think to your point, you know, part of it is is trying to share kind of our experience and and what we've learned. But I think part of it is also learning from others. You know, I've been in the field now for about fifteen years, and I still, on probably a, a monthly, sometimes even weekly basis, have conversations with people that really cause me to say, okay, do, do I really feel that way about that term? Or is it problematic that this is the way we talk about things? Yeah. And so I think that's also one of the things that that we're hoping to do with this podcast is maybe kind of learn from each other and then also, you know, bring in other voices, um, you know, important voices who have really unique perspectives about 
this thing we call development, which in and of itself is is maybe a little bit, uh, I won't say problematic, but something that's probably worth unpacking. Of course, you and I know each other. I'm assuming that many of the listeners that are listening to this don't. And so maybe we can, before we uh, we sort of overwhelm them with our with our rants about jargon, we can introduce ourselves a little bit and get get them to know a little bit more about us. So tell us, Courtney told me, what is it that uh, you'd like us to know about you and, and your work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so I've been working in the global development field um, for about 15 years now. I actually started in this work um, right out of college, but, you know, for many years now, I've been working for um, international non-governmental organizations, nonprofits, always kind of from that perspective. And in particular, in the last 15 years, I've really focused my work on issues of accountability, open governance, um, anti-corruption issues, Mm -hmm. and community engagement of different sorts. So that's still a pretty wide space. um, And because of the organizations I've worked with, a lot of times that's intersected issues like health, education, and nutrition. So really working with um, civil society organizations, community-based organizations that are, um, you know, trying to ensure that governments are delivering health and education in the best way possible, trying to push back on corruption where that exists. And, you know, I've done kind of a lot of different things in that space, everything from, you know, grant making, uh, technical support and capacity building, which is another one of those issues that we should probably unpack. And then most recently doing a lot of work on evaluation and learning and kind of trying to answer questions of what what works best or how can we get better in this space? Yeah. So that's a little bit about me and Daniel. How about you? Thank you, Courtney. It's crazy to hear you say 15 years. For me, it's been 10. It doesn't feel that way. I, I think. am a little bit older than you. Well, okay. <laughs> but it doesn't, it, to me, it feels like we're still kind of new kids on the block. But yeah, I've been working in development for, in some form, for, for a little bit over 10 years. I started doing a little bit of work in organizations that focus on sort of conflict and conflict resolution work. I did, actually did my master's on sort of conflict and development. And then have really focused most of the last 10 years on education a bit more. So I've been working a lot with innovative ways to implement education and lately even working closer with uh, government entities and, and sort of uh, in the education system, trying to figure out how, how they can deliver higher quality education to their learners. Um, and usually my role in that whole process is the, the phrase that I tell people is that I, I get paid to ask folks a lot of questions. I, I'm sort of a, a facilitator of decision-making strategy. I work a lot in really trying to help program implementers, be that an organization or the government or a donor, um, trying to figure out, you know, how how well they're implementing their work, how effective it's been, um, thinking about how to learn from their experience and sort of evaluate their impact, uh, but also to to reflect on that and to learn from what they've done and to iterate it. Uh, so that they can move forward and improve on what they're doing. So that's a big part of what I do. Um, you know, ask these questions and get people to think critically about their work so that they can improve it moving forward. And yeah, that's that's kind of my role. And it's I love doing it because I think it's there's a lot as it's kind of the main theme of this show is that there's a lot of jargon and there's a lot of things that are inaccessible in this industry. And I think what I like to do is really get down to 
to key questions, basic questions about why what we're doing matters and how it matters and how we can do it better. Now that we've shared a little bit about ourselves, I feel like, you know, the, I mean, you shared it at the beginning. The purpose of the show is to unpack development, unpack different terms. So I know it's our first episode, but I kind of feel like we should unpack something. I feel like we should live up to our name. So why don't we start by just talking about unpacking development? I think in the future, we're going to try to get more specific, talk about specific terms, but you know, I know for me, um, I tell my friends who don't work in this area that I work in development mm-hmm. and they're either like, okay, so are you like a psychologist? Like you're working on child development or, right. or they assume that I'm a spy, which I'm not, right. I just should say. Um, but I think, which is exactly is what term. somebody who is a spy would say for the record, That's they would true. also say that they're not a spy, but you That's know. true. I was told by my bosses, I couldn't start a podcast if I'm a spy. So, okay. But yeah, so so development. So maybe let's, why don't we start by just talking about development, the term, where it came yeah. from, how it started. Um, so yeah, do you want to start? How, how do yeah. you kind of think about development? Okay, so this is, I'm really glad that we're doing this because I think that this is, development itself is a, just like you're saying, is a black box that if you're not into industry, you might not know exactly what it is and you might have some misconceptions about what it is. And I think it's important to clear that up. So I think, when we talk about development, what we're really talking about, I think first and foremost, the most general use of the term is really it's an industry, right? Like it's an industry yeah. that exists in the world. And the goal of that industry is essentially to um, improve the quality of life for people. And in general, it tends to mean improving quality of life for people in particular geographies. And in, in the general sort of development jargon, people like to talk about low and middle income countries. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's your mom who describing what you do to somebody else, you might say that they work at, in poor countries or, yeah. you know, it's it. And there's a lot of there's a whole conversation about the jargon of how we refer to those countries. There's definitely some new terminology that's coming up that's talking about the folks who are for the lack of a better term, the beneficiaries of development um, as, as, as people who are in former colonized nations and colonized countries. And so, and I think this is very true. And so I think that generally we're talking about this industry, we're talking about everybody who's in it, the sort of aid infrastructure, uh, governments giving money to other countries to, to sort of um, help them to develop specific aspects of their infrastructure, specific aspects of their social services, education, health, nutrition, governance. And there's a whole industry that comes along with that. There are consultants, there are experts, there are people who are um, community-based organizations and, uh, and organizations that do this work on the ground and implement it. You know, generally when we talk about development, that's what we refer to as the big industry, but yeah. it's, it's more than that. Sorry, go well, ahead. And I'm, so I'm glad, I just want to emphasize one thing. I'm glad you started with this, this point that it's an industry. Cause I yeah. think that one of the challenges that we face, and this is true outside of development as well, is that a lot of times when we're talking about what we do to other people, we focus on the, the feel good stuff, right? Yeah. So the, you know, we're helping and we're supporting and we're working with charitable organizations and things like that. But I think you can't really unpack development without acknowledging that 
a big part of it is it is an industry. People yeah. are making money from it. Oh, yeah. um, we we hope that like a lot of industries, it's also producing something really positive and good. And I think in a lot of cases it is. But I think starting with this idea of it's an industry and going way back in history, if you look at the history of international aid, it was it was always an industry. Yes. So I think keeping that in mind is great. So yeah, go ahead. No, and I think that's totally right. You know, a lot of the criticisms of the development industry and the way that it sort of essentially feeds itself in a lot of ways, right? Like the 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 one of the biggest cliches in industry is that at the end of every research report, one of the recommendations is that we need more research, right? <laughs> like there's it is an industry, there is money at play, there are people who are benefiting from it, us included. And I think I have it's, written that recommendation yeah, before. <laughs> absolutely. And I think it's important to to say that it is, and I think part of what we're trying to do here is really have a conversation about that industry and how the sort of the theory and the the good intentions sort of play out in real life, right? And and, and how it works out and when the money is all distributed and the, the the impact is all counted up, like what does that shake out to? And so mm-hmm. that's that's the industry part. I mean, I think there's obviously a theoretical part of it too, which is, you know, when we think about development, you can also think about it more as the, the sort of vision that we have for the world. And there's a lot of people who have thought about development with this frame. There's famously, Amartya Sen has talked about development as freedom, right? Development as being the process of um, providing and giving access to freedom to as many people across the world as possible. Freedom from hunger, freedom from disease, freedom to express themselves. And right. there, there is that part of it, which is ultimately development on its best day is trying to provide and to sort of activate the possibility of every human being to be free to be who they want to be and to be to live a good life to live a life that's that's that are, it's abiding by the rights that they have as human beings on this planet right right there is that part of it i think there's also a quite critical frame that you can add to that uh which takes into account the history that you mentioned a little bit already but the the history of development as you know, what some would describe as sort of colonialism part two, right? Or right, exactly is an extension of the sort of power structures that have been around for at least a few hundred years of wealthier, primarily in the North countries, um, having their way with countries that have less material wealth in some cases, or that are less quote unquote developed, uh, mm-hmm. prescribing certain policies to them, uh, prescribing certain ways of being, you know, Bill Easterly talks about the white man's burden in his sort of summary of of the way that development and the aid industry is essentially an extension of that sort of colonialist tendency. In some ways, a sort of a soft power of being asserting influence on other countries of right. how they should do things. And in the process, making sure that your way of life, that your power to uh, economic power is still strong based on doing that. And so I think mm-hmm. that there is this really critical frame that it shouldn't be simplified as charity or it shouldn't be simplified right. as necessarily a um, a nice thing that, you know, people are doing to try to help others who are in less in, in worse off conditions. There's there's a major component here that is about power and that should be that should be really, you know, discussed. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think just jumping off of that. So I think there's there's the issue of power. And I think that as long as you have a situation where you have people who are from outside of a country, outside of a place, whatever that is, whether it's a country boundary or not, 
and they're coming in and you know, bringing in whether it be resources or ideas or programs, no matter what it is, you know, there is a power dynamic there. Mm-hmm. And, and this is something that, you know, we need to recognize, even if, you know, people in the industry are coming in and saying, well, we're doing it for good. Yeah, there's still that power dynamic. And, and it's still, I don't want to say imposed, because I don't think it's always imposed, but it's something that's brought in from the outside, oftentimes without everyone agreeing to it. Yep. Even programs that really seem to come from a good place, it's still imposing something. It's still bringing in something in from the outside that that has issues, even though they're taking a bottom-up approach and focusing on human issues. There's still this tension around beneficiary contributions and and other issues that just make this a really sticky thing that, that we need to dig into a lot more. So, you know, even if the idea behind it is good, it's still worth interrogating because there's still that power dynamic yeah. issue. And there's still that issue of someone coming in from the outside and saying, this is what we want to do in this place that's not our own. Absolutely. No, I think that's totally right. And I think the power dynamic is important in the bigger picture, as you're mentioning, and sort of the who gets to have the conversation about what what happens in certain contexts or who has to have the power about how a community changes. Um, Mm -hmm. ultimately, you know, I think that this is also a conversation that you and I have talked about before. We're very aware, even in our own privilege of being the ones in this podcast, having this conversation, we, we also come from a particular background. We also have certain privileges in the sector. We benefit from it in a particular way. And I know that from the very beginning, when we first started talking about this idea of this podcast is part of the goal was also making sure that we include voices in this conversation that are not our own. And that yep. are not traditionally privileged in the sector, that are not traditionally the ones that are the loudest voices in this conversation. Absolutely. And I think that's definitely right. And I think, you know, again, taking it that step further and acknowledging I am a, you know, white middle class woman. Um, I was raised in North Carolina. Right. I was not raised, out, raised outside the U.S., um, you know, I in a place that has a lot of its own issues with with history and race dynamics and and things like that that are still being played out today. So, you know, I think it was really important again for both of us to kind of come in and say this is the privileged place where we sit. Yeah. And so, let's make sure that, you know, in these discussions we're we're going to get some things wrong. You know, we want to get called out on it, but we also want to create space for, you know, people who don't always, you know, whose voices we don't always hear when really they are the kind of core of of this work. Absolutely. When we we ask the question, what is development? There's also what it means to us personally, right? And I think sort of what brings us to it. I think for me, I find that the the geographic limitation of development is really unnecessary. Uh, and it's it's more harmful than good. I think when I think of development, I think of more broadly as, you know, people who have who are dedicating a career to this and people who live ch- their own challenges in their own communities coming together and trying to figure out what are ways that we can solve these societal challenges. Right. And that can be anywhere. I think that can be just as relevant if we're talking about education in Kenya, which I'm working on, as opposed to education in two blocks away where my wife teaches in an elementary school and how we're dealing with students there. And so I think to me that that's sort of the key question and the goal of of improving 
lives of folks and doing it in a way that's methodical and, and thinking about the policies and thinking about how to do that in community with people who have gaps in, in their livelihoods. That to me is how I think of development and is why I feel good doing this work. And I think, I don't know, maybe to, I think to, for me, the, the sort of distinction, the sort of geographical focus of this, the sort of unnecessary nature of it, I think comes a little bit from my own background. I, I've, you know, I'm from Brazil. I've lived my life basically half and half in Brazil and in the U.S. I, I moved to the U.S. when I was young and I um, have gone back uh, to live there a couple of times. And I think I saw the same issues there that I see here in D.C. Mm-hmm. or in, in the U.S. And I think the, our, there's an arbitrary nature to the geography focus of development that is both both arbitrary and I think reinforces that sort of critical lens of it as colonialism, right? Um, yeah. If we're really being honest about the challenges that we have as, as societies to, to make sure that the poverty is eradicated, to make sure that people have equal opportunities, we're talking about that everywhere. We're not talking about it in particular geography. And I'm less interested in a development conversation that's focused on particular places on a map than I am focused on people who are most in need everywhere, right? Um, yeah. So that's sort of what, what sort of it means to me and how I think about it. I mean, that, that definitely resonates with me. I, I cannot tell you the number of times that, you know, especially in the last four years where I would tell people that I worked on corruption issues outside the U S and they're like, well, why aren't you working on this here? So I think you're absolutely right. You know, development is when you really break it down while a lot of our work is happening in low and middle income countries, the truth is the type of questions that we're asking and types of things that we're hoping to work on really do cross borders. And, and I think that's something that we have a lot to learn based on what's happening in other places as well, which I think is something we don't always totally acknowledge. So, I mean, kind of getting into to why development, how I think of development and, and, you know, how it became, I think, something that I wanted to start working on and, and thinking about things moving forward. So, um, so I should start with a confession, which is that I am a recovering economist. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mentioned earlier that I've been working in this field for 15 years. My first foray into development was basically going into um, a PhD program for economics, which much to my mother's consternation, I left <laughs> before finishing. Um, but, you know, I say that because I think that that background in that history mm-hmm. really informs the lens that I have historically used for development and approaching this. But it also is a lens that I think can be somewhat problematic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talked about Amartya Sen, we talked about Jeffrey Sachs, um, Paul Collier. Um, you know, I definitely started my work in this space with those being the people who were really defining what it meant to do development. And then later on, you know, we started getting more of the kind of poverty action lab, randomistas, like, can we use experiments to try to understand whether or not education and health and nutrition programs um, have a potential impact? Yeah. So that came a little bit later in, in my kind of graduate school uh, foray, I guess. and. You know, what I realized, and and this is something that I think still comes up with me, is that when you take an economics lens to development, for the most part, you're starting with this question of how do we maximize something? How do we maximize impact? How do we maximize utility or this idea of happiness, right? And 
you know, for a lot of problems, I think that's, that's a great question to ask. But I started noticing over the last few years that for some things that I've worked on, in particular things that have started moving into the kind of civic space, human rights arena, that doesn't always feel like the right mm. question. And so that's something that I think is worth talking about in development is, is what we're trying to do always, you know, maximize impact right. or minimize poverty, things like that. And I think this hit home, especially about four years ago, I started working with this really fantastic human rights organization. And we're in this kind of this co-creation session. And I was kind of throwing out ideas around how we might research this, how we might learn. And one of the people I was working with stopped me and they're like, you know, I think we need to go back to this, to the idea of do no harm. Mm. And of course, as, as a researcher, you know, my immediate instinct is, well, of course, we'll get ethical approval. Like we're not, you know, kind of what I thought of as do no harm. And what what the people that I spoke with really taught me, and it's something that's that's kind of stood with me for the last several years is, you know, there's actually this really kind of structured and specific idea behind do no harm. And I actually, I pulled up the definition because I didn't want to screw it up. <laughs> so this comes from this organization called CDA that does this really cool work. Um, and they invented this idea of conflict sensitivity and do no harm. And it refers to the practice of understanding how aid interacts with conflict in a particular context to mitigate unintended negative effects and to influence conflict positively wherever possible mm -hmm. through humanitarian development and or peace building interventions. So the reason why I bring that up is that it kind of made me realize that in a lot of cases with development, maximizing impact may be the wrong question in certain places, especially if we're working on conflict issues, things like that. What we also need to be asking ourselves is, are the things that we're bringing to the table actually doing harm? And that could be active harm. It could also be just kind of changing the culture and changing things in a way that like, we don't really have a right to right. do. So anyway, I think that was a lot of, of background, probably more than, than you need about me. But just to say that I think in the last few years, one of the things that I've really tried to grapple with is how do you kind of merge those two yeah. things, recognizing that we are trying to alleviate poverty and work on issues of education and health, but also recognizing that things we do that might seem really positive to us actually have the potential of doing harm? And, and how do we make sure that that's something that we're really mitigating and, and getting rid of wherever possible? Part of what I love about doing this work is that there's so much to learn from others and so much to learn specifically from, from people who are living in communities that are facing these challenges including, you know, and again, to my point around geography, like there is so much to learn about our, the communities that are oppressed or are marginalized here in the U.S. and, and mm -hmm. um, how much they've sort of worked to resolve some of those challenges themselves. And uh, similarly, there's so much to learn from folks who are more marginalized or have less resources and how they've adapted all over the world and how they've adapted and thrived from that. And so it's just a fascinating industry to work in if you love people and love learning from other people. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what I love about it anyway. There's a lot not yeah. to love about it and there's a lot to be critical about yeah. <laughs> it. And I think it's important to be critical about it. Um, but I also think it's yeah. the, the sort of the learning from others, I think is really a, a, a perk for me selfishly.
So I think, I think what we've done is I think we have number one started to unpack development. Now I, I kind of feel like it's one of those cases where you unpack a box and just throw everything everywhere. It's very non Marie Kondo. Like we have not simplified. (laughs) We haven't actually. We're just, we've left with a mess, but I think the first step is, is unpacking and just seeing what's in there. So that's number one. I think the second thing we've done is we've already started pulling out a lot of terms that are probably worth their own unpacking yeah. discussion. You know, we've talked about um, do no harm. We've talked about power. We've talked about, you know, all sorts of things. So so maybe this is actually a good transition to talk about what this unpacking development podcast we're hoping it's going to look like. I think the goal is this. I think the you know, there's a lot to unpack in development, lots of terms, lots of good conversations like this one to have, lots of people to have them with. And so what we are hoping to do going forward is have conversations like these. Each episode, we will pick a particular term that either we think is problematic or is interesting or there's a vibrant conversation to have around. We'll focus on that term and, and try to sort of define it as much as possible and have a conversation about it as much as possible. We'll try to limit our own jargon. And even in my own, as I was speaking, just in this conversation, I was just like thinking about all the jargon words that I was using that might drive people off. And so we'll try to it's, it's so really hard. hard. Um, <laughs> it's like a, its own dialect, but we'll try to keep ourselves, and maybe we'll think about like a way to alert each other if we're if we are speaking in in too much jargon. And then, really, what we also want to do is bring in voices outside of our own perspectives that are different from our own to have this conversation. And I think uh, making a decision here to 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 try to emphasize voices in this conversation that are usually not the loudest voices, and and not by their own design, by the fact that they're you know, there's a dominant culture in development. And I think that we want to try to bring in um, folks with different perspectives um, and try to emphasize their, their, their sort of role in the industry, how it impacts their lives and, and how we think about it. And so we're excited to do that. And yeah, and that's kind of it. So we, we pick a term, we talk yeah. about it. We, we find out from, from somebody else about what they think about it and, and maybe come up with, you know, some ways of thinking about it moving forward and, and any questions that we might have still lingering going forward. But that's the, that's the show. That's kind of what we're thinking about. And Courtney, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we can sneak preview what our next episode is. No, I think you are absolutely right. Um, and Daniel, I am actually going to start by introducing this with a question for you. Oh, no. Yeah, so um, not something you have to answer right now, but okay. something we may start the episode with next week. So, you know, thinking about this this term, our first real episode, uh, we wanted to think about something that a lot of people use. I know I use it regularly, but maybe it mm-hmm. kind of makes us think, hmm, should we really be using this term? And that term is beneficiary. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Classic. Absolutely. So um, I can say it's something that probably in the last week I have typed 50 times in various reports. So it's one of those things that shows up over and over again. And I think a lot of us just add it to reports and to emails and things like that without even thinking about it. And so we wanted to stop and think about it. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah. So my question for you to, to think about is, have you ever considered yourself a beneficiary? Oh, wow. Okay, that's good. That's a good cliffhanger. That's a good question to to sort of let folks simmer with. 
yeah, beneficiary is one of those terms that maybe we use for other people, but not ourselves. And and that maybe is something that is a little bit of an issue. So <laughs> that's it. So we're going to leave things in a little bit of suspense here. So our listeners tune in next time. <laughs> I mean, I've heard true crime podcasts do well. So I feel like we need to end everything. That's a great like pitch. This is this suspense. is the serial of development is what we're trying to do here. Yes. So this has been, I think, the first episode of Unpacking Development. Yeah, I hope uh, if you're listening, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you'll come back and listen to us talk about beneficiaries and other terms. Um, But really excited to be doing this. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we'll talk to you next time. Unpacking Development is hosted and produced by Daniel Plout and Courtney Tolmey. Editing and music done by Daniel Plout. All views and half-baked rants shared by Daniel and Courtney are theirs alone. If you'd like to recommend your own jargon term for unpacking, share your own thoughts, or just get in touch with us, our email address is unpackingdevpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at unpackingdevpod. A special thanks on today's pilot episode to our partners, our family, our friends, and colleagues who listened to our concept and heard early versions of this episode and provided feedback, encouragement, and support. You know who you are. Thanks all for listening.